With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. You're listening to the live services of I Saw the Light Ministries. We'll play a couple of songs here for you. Thank you. 
pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for your movement of your spirit. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan and that you are working and active upon this earth and in your people and in your church. That, Father, your plan is going to succeed. That your plan will prevail, Lord, to bring your own people back to you. We pray, Lord, your will be done in this service. Pray, Lord, that you soften the hearts, humble us, and realign us. Realign our mouth, our attitude, our heart, and our mind. Realign our lives and our thinking and our actions. Help us, Lord, to be more pleasing to you. And help us, Father, to be loving and compassionate. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to teach us today. We are your willing students. In Jesus' holy name, have thy way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope everybody's having a good seventh day. We're going to be starting in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Sorry, I got a little bit of a late start today, but it was for a good reason. We had Jesus was sending us uh, a family that's going to start coming to services here, I believe. And so we was talking uh, to that man uh, about possibility of coming to services here, hopefully next week, we hope, I believe. And so it's exciting to see God move as he continues to start bringing more and more and more people this way. Time is short. And because time is short, because the great tribulation is about to start, whether you believe it or not, God is going to start gathering his people together. Amen. Praise God. God is going to gather his people together before the great tribulation and during the tribulation. We're not talking about no pre-trib rapture because we don't believe the lies of the devil. But we're talking about God, Jesus, bringing his people together for fellowship in congregations, local congregations around the world, Amen. God is faithful to do that. For the record, today's date is April the 22nd, 2017 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, April 22nd, 2017. In God's created calendar, it is the 25th day of the first month. Today, we're going to be talking about soft evangelism. Soft evangelism. That's in comparison to hard or harsh evangelism. Soft evangelism. And we're starting in Proverbs 15. And before we read this scripture, 
before we explain soft evangelism, what is harsh evangelism? Well, the perfect example is your typical street preacher. A lot of people, a lot of people really lift up and admire the street preachers. So I don't think we should do that at all. For the, for the most part, I mean, there are some good street preachers. I know that God does call people to preach in the streets. I know that I have gone to the streets holding signs. I know that Jesus went to the streets and the Apostle Paul and Peter and many other went to the streets. But the way they did it was not like your modern street preacher. Your modern street preachers go out there with a bullhorn, with a microphone, shouting, screaming, telling people that they're going to go to hell. Back when I was in the homosexual death style and would go to the gay parades, the street preachers would be there, the protesters would be there. The man, the preacher with his bullhorn walking up and down the sidewalk telling us we're all going to hell. But that was not very fruitful. It was not very profitable. Not one person at the gay parades was like, oh no, I must repent. Oh, I think I repent. No, that was not our reaction to that preaching. The reaction was, these are people of hate. The reaction was, they hate us, and they wish that we would die. Because gay people back then, when I was in the homosexual death style, were used to being killed, murdered, beat up, because that we was gay. It was a common occurrence. It was a daily thought of whether you would live or die that day because people were so brutal against the homosexuals. We were living a death style. We were living a way that would bring death to us and disease and sickness and cursing. But the kind of preaching that yelled at us, that screamed screamed at us, was not the kind of preaching that we needed, and neither was it the kind of preaching that would result in our salvation. I was a person that sought God at a very young age, that was studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and copying the Bible word by word at age 10 even without anybody telling me to, without anybody encouraging me to, other than God himself. I started going to church when I was 16, to church that kept the seventh day and the holy days, that did not keep Christmas and Easter, 16 years old, without anybody in my family doing the same thing. I was the only one in my family that saw the truth, that knew the truth, that wanted the truth at that age. 
But yet, I was conflicted because of teenage hormones, teenage rebellion, seeing the world, feeling the temptations, being influenced by molesting earlier in my life, not having a good father figure, an overpowering mother, and many, many other things, many other things that influenced me where I chose to leave God, fell away from God, went out into the world, did the drugs and the homosexuality and all kinds of unmentionable things. I'm not proud of these things. I don't mention it or say these things or keep repeating them over and over out of pride, but rather out of shame. I'm not proud of the things I did. I'm still ashamed of those things. But the scriptures say that we overcome the devil by the word of our testimonies. By giving our testimonies, we help others to come out of those same things and similar things. That is not impossible to repent. That is not impossible to be changed. That is not impossible to be born again. It gives glory to God and not to the devil. Amen. As a person that sought God at an early age and as a person that continued to keep the seventh day through all those years of rebellion, as a person that continued to pray through all those years of rebellion and keep my mind on God even in the midst of sin, I would cry and feel extremely guilty after every act of abomination. As a person that was susceptible to the Spirit of God and to correction and to conviction of sins, if there was ever a person to repent from preaching of a street preacher, it would have been me. But I did not repent because of their harsh preaching. It only made me go deeper. Their preaching only made me go deeper in the homosexual death style. Because it was the same tone of voice that I had heard from all the other people that hated me and that threatened my life. It was not a voice of reasoning. It was not a voice of love. And it was not the Spirit of God in those people. There is a right way to evangelize and a wrong way to evangelize. If somebody had sat down with me with the scriptures and addressed all of my concerns and questions and past and the things I was going through and lead me hand in hand and being a good example for me, a person could have very easily led me to Jesus Christ. Very, very easily. But that was not their approach. Instead, their approach was you're going to go to hell. That was not a very effective approach. And yet that is the most common approach. And it is the common approach of the Baptist Church, of the Pentecostal Church, and of many 
other churches and religions and denominations of a man. And so people glorify, praise, and lift up these street preachers that are screaming on the street corner. Nobody listening to them. People just passing by, not paying any attention. But these same, these same street preachers are praised by religious people that think that these street preachers are doing God a service. Now, when I went to the streets holding signs, I was not screaming. I was not preaching. The only words that came out of my mouth was my prayer to God. As I carried the signs down the highway, many times, many, many different times, praying to God, talking to God, not screaming at people. Holding signs that I felt led by God of what to put on those signs. And it sure wasn't God hate facts. But that's the way the West, Westboro Baptist Church did. The Westboro Baptist Church did make a sign. It says, God hate fags and fags are going to hell and we wish you'd die and you're going to die and all this stuff. Is that the Spirit of God? Absolutely not. Now, of course, we must say that homosexuality is a sin. We must say that. We must speak the truth and don't sugarcoat it. But there's also a time and a place for everything. And there is a right manner and a wrong manner for everything. Amen. We may, we, we may not be like the Westboro Baptist Church, and we may not be like those street preachers preaching you're going to go to hell as soon as you die and you have no chance to repent, no chance of salvation. We may not be like those. But perhaps we might still be guilty of the same spirit of harsh evangelism when we're in the grocery store line and somebody says Merry Christmas to us or Happy Easter and we slap them back with the words Christmas or Easter. That is satanic. I don't see that as being any different than those street preachers in Westboro Baptist Church. No difference at all. If you're going to say to somebody in a grocery store line, when the cashier does not have time to sit down with you with a Bible, you do not have time to explain the history of Christmas and Easter. You don't have time to give all the scriptures for it. You don't have time to explain about the holy days and obedience and repentance. It's a grocery store line. Now, come on now. There is a place and a time for everything. Your best response is to say thank you and just go and leave it at that. They're not trying 
to hurt you, rob you, kill you, murder you. They just said a simple phrase that they're taught to say of trying to be polite, trying to be friendly. They didn't mean nothing by it. They're ignorant, they're blind. Our response, if we're going to say anything, should also be of friendliness, politeness, respect, and love, not harsh. Because a harsh reaction will not result in their repentance or their salvation. It simply won't. Now you know that I am a preacher of boldness, bold words, and I do not sugarcoat the message at all. But there is a time and a place for everything. During services, the people that are gathered together over the internet, over the phone, are people that have already shown that they seek the truth. They've already done some of their studies. They've already been presented with the truth. And they have shown up to learn more. You're able to receive stronger meat and bolder words because you're already come to the truth and have been for a while. You are not a newborn babe born today or yesterday. You're able to eat more than baby food. Therefore, you can take the more bold words. But the people in the grocery store, Al, they are not born again and they have not yet sought the truth and they're not able to handle the deep things of God. Therefore, we need to treat those people with kids' gloves. We can hand them a track and say, uh, please read this later when you get time, when you get home. Please read this later. Give them that flyer and leave, and leave it at that. That way when they get home, they would have some scripture references, some proof, some history, some facts that they can take their time to read and examine and pray over and be led to the truth. Or you could say, well, actually, about Easter, I found out that Easter existed thousands of years before Jesus was born and that the Bible talks about that in Ezekiel chapter 8. And I know that that sounds really strange to you because you've never heard it, but I just really encourage you to read the last verses of Ezekiel chapter 8 about the Easter sunrise service 
and to pray about it and to fast about it and to look up on the Internet the origin of Easter. I really encourage you to do that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he was born and that he died and that he died for our sins and rose again from the grave. But I just encourage you to read that scripture and pray about it and research the history of Easter. Leave it at that and say, I know you've got to uh, work, you've got customers, I've got to go. I really encourage you to do that. That's all you have to say. I'm trying to make it brief and lead them to a curiosity of, huh, interesting. I think I will look that up. I think I will read about that. But if you just blunt out that Easter is satanic, they're not going to look it up. They're not going to pray about it. They're not going to fast about it. They're not going to read the Bible about it. They're not going to look up the history. They're not going to do nothing but say, that person is weird. That person is harsh. That person is mean. That person is deceived. They're not going to be led to the truth. Now, are you sugarcoating the message just because that you said it in a more gentle way, in a way that would lead them more profitably, profitable to the truth? Is that sugarcoating it? Absolutely not. What it is, is choosing your words wisely. And we are to do that. We are to choose our words wisely. There is a time to say it's satanic. When you've already shared the truth and shared it again over and over and over, when the person that you have shared with and you've given them the flyer, you've given them the ministry website, and you've given them more information, and you've given them the scriptures, and they still want to go to church on Sunday. They still want to keep Easter. They still want to keep Christmas. They still don't believe the truth. They have heard the truth. They have had time to examine it, and they rejected it, outright rejected it. Then it is time to use bolder words. It's just like if you see a child doing something and you tell them to stop the first time and then the next time, the next time, the next time, each time your voice gets louder. But the very first time that we try to correct somebody should not be identical to the fifth time that we try to correct someone. If your fifth time of addressing a person about their sin, about their homosexuality, about Sunday, Christmas, Easter, the Trinity, whatever, the rapture, anything, your fifth time, I'm just throwing a number out there. It don't absolutely have to be the fifth time, but I'm saying eventually down the road, after so many times that you've corrected a person, that you've tried to lead a person, you've tried to teach a person, eventually it's time later for more bold action 
for more bold words. And you've got to start getting really blunt eventually. Because the righteous anger will start rising up in you, which is okay and good and acceptable. And it's getting closer and closer to the time that you just need to disfellowship from that person because that person has repeatedly, outright rejected the word of God. It's time to wipe the dust off your feet. And before you wipe the dust off your feet, you have used more bold words, harsher words, more bold words, in order to provoke them. And the Bible does teach that, to provoke people to good works, to provoke people to repentance. But the way that you act upon them in the fifth, sixth, and seventh time is not, should never be identical to that way you react to them the first time. Because you should start out more gentle, get more bold over time. Amen. There's a saying that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. That's just a saying. But what does the Bible say about this? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer, your answer to Merry Christmas, Happy Easter. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. But the mouth of fools spouts folly. Read that verse 2 again. The tongue of the wise, the Bible tells us that we are to be wise, that we are to seek wisdom more than gold. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. If we use wise words, if we are careful about our words and our tone and our attitude, then knowledge about the truth will be more acceptable. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. But the mouth of fools spouts folly. That word spout there, it means to just just spit it out harshly, to shoot it out without thinking. We should not be people who just spout out words without thinking. We should think about our words. The Bible also teaches that we should many times be quiet and listen, and not quick to speak, but quick to listen and slow to speech. If you are slow to speech, as I am right now, then you have time to examine your words and choose your words. What word, what phrase, what sentence would be the most profitable dealing with this person? When you meet a person for the first time, that is especially true. 
You need to listen to them, where they're coming from, how they're thinking. Examine their body language, their eyes, their tone of voice, their spirit about them, their background. And while they're talking, and you're keeping your mouth shut and not interrupting, because interrupting people is very arrogant and rude. God's people should be a people that keep their mouth shut more than the people of the world. We should be slow to speak and quick to answer. While they are talking, we are thinking, plotting, planning our next word. A man of few words would speak only the best words the most profitable words. People who speak the least are the people that speak the best. And the people that speak the most are the people that speak the worst. Because the people that blah, 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 and never, ever shut up are the people that are not thinking about what they're saying. And they're just fouling out everything left and right without thinking. And that is not wise at all. And it's not very pleasant to listen to. Amen. We need to humble ourselves and realize that we are not the main character in this movie. We're not the main character. You are not the main character. There are other people in this life. And they have just as much, just as, much as a right to talk as we do. Amen. So we listen. We give them a chance to talk and to share and to vent. Meanwhile, we plan our words carefully. And then we speak the truth in love. And that is what the Bible teaches us to do. But then the next time we talk to them, and they're still rebellious, Continue to plot your words carefully, knowing that you need to say certain words in a certain way to reach this person. Because you're not going to reach this person with just any anything or just any words at all, but rather only with certain words. Is the only way you're going to reach that person. You need to understand that. Certain certain people need to hear more about the history, the background. Other people need to hear more of the scriptures themselves. Other people need to hear more of you pleading to them about fasting or prayer or Bible study. Different people need to hear different things. And how do you know how to approach that person, how to speak to that person, how to lead that person, unless you're listening to them, learning about them, listening to their concerns. That's how you're going to learn about which words and what methods is going to lead to their repentance. Amen. But if you're not listening and you're just a volcano, you're not going to lead that person to Christ. You're simply not going to do it. 
look at chapter 16 over here. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. We need to realize, remember, and understand that even though we understand and know a whole lot of stuff and we are special and we are God's chosen, we are God's elect, but all of this is true only because God called us. Because God revealed these things to us. Yes, we were seeking. It goes both ways. But there are some people that are not meant to understand in this life. We have to remember that. There are two resurrections, not just one. Two resurrections. The Bible says that no man can come to me unless the Father calls him. We must understand realize and put into action that it's not meant for every person that we witness to to get saved in this life. We're going to read some scriptures about that. And I've been sharing those scriptures for years. And when you keep the holy days, you learn about the first Pentecost, the first resurrection, the first calling, this life. And you, you in the holy days, you also learn about and read about the second life, the hundred years, the short season after the thousand years, how people are going to be brought back to life again, learn about Jesus, be taught the truth, get saved in that time, come to the judgment seat of Christ at the end of the hundred years, and that some of the people will be put on the right and will be called into salvation, that they will inherit eternal life because they learned it in that hundred years. But right now, not everybody has been called at the same time in the same harvest. Everybody will be raised, but each one in his own order. So we need to humble ourselves and remember that we only know these things only because we are chosen in this life only because it's ordained and meant for us to know these things in this life, not of our own works, but of God's choosing. In verse 19, it is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who gives attention to the word will find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Read that again. Sweetness of speech, like honey, increases persuasiveness, meaning that kinder, more loving, more gentle words is more persuasive more convincing, more profitable, more beneficial, more effective to calling people to the truth, to teaching understanding. 
Verse 22, understanding is a fountain of life to one who has it. But the discipline of fools is folly. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. The heart of the wise. If we have a wise heart, a wise mind, then you will instruct your mouth. Instruct your mouth is opposite of letting your mouth run rampant without control. But rather, instructing your mouth is controlling your mouth and leading your mouth in the correct manner. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth, controls his mouth, and teaches his mouth how to be more effective in his or her ministry and adds more effectiveness, perfect persuadeness to his lips. Verse 24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Is there a time to rebuke? Absolutely. Is there a time to be harsh? Absolutely. Is there a time for boldness? Absolutely. Is there a time to be gentle? Absolutely. There are times that the Bible tells us that we are to be long-suffering. There are some people that we are to suffer with, with teaching and patience and gentleness and love for years. And then there are other people that we should blow off in one second. Absolutely. There are times on Facebook that you see people teaching, ministering, preaching that God hates facts. That will be their words. And when they do that, and when they say God hates sinners, and other certain words and phrases that they will use, that is a public teaching. And the Holy Spirit tells you that no matter how you say it, no matter how gentle, no matter how loving, no matter how patient you could be, that that person will not, absolutely will not repent nor think about their doctrine. They are evil. They are satanic. They are totally out of line. And their teaching is satanic. And they need rebuke right then right there, even though it's the first time you ever talk to them. The Holy Spirit will lead you there. There is a time for that. There is a time and a place for everything. There is a time and place to be very bold and very harsh. There is a time to rebuke. But the time to be quick, harsh, and bold and rebukeous is not every situation. It's only some situations. Not every situation. I hope that I have not led anyone to think or believe or have the attitude that we should always, always, without exception, always just slap people in the face with the truth. 
I hope I've not led people to think. And you must also understand that I'm a pastor. And to be honest with you, I must also say, an apostle and a prophet. I don't say those words lightly. don't want to say those words because I don't want to exalt myself. But to be honest, I come from these offices of administration. That I do come from these offices of administration that God has ordained me to these offices. And because of these offices that I hold, that God has given me, I have to be more blunt, more harsh, and more quick, and more rebuketh. Because it's my duty, it's my responsibility. Because I am a leader beyond just these four walls. But I have to literally fight demonic powers of the son of perdition. I must reveal the identity of the son of perdition in boldness and time is extremely short and people don't understand how short it is. Even people that listen to this broadcast, to this sermon, they don't, some of the people, some of them, don't really, truly, fully believe how short time is. Their actions testify to that that they don't believe fully how short time is. I have to use more bold, more quick words because of my position. But not everyone, Paul said, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all pastors? Do we all speak in tongues? Do we all have the gift of tongues? Every member of the body is a different member of the body. Not every member of the body is the kidney or the heart or the liver or the big toe or the little toe or the ankle or the knee or the shoulder. Each one of us has a part and we cannot all have the same function. We don't all have the same function. And we should not all have the same quickness and harshness and boldness because we don't all have the same duties and responsibilities to the same extent. Even though we all share in the ministry, even though we all share in duties and responsibilities of evangelism and ministry and the claim of the truth and the true word of God, unfiltered, uncompromised. But there are offices and there are administrations and there are Specific duties that are given to specific parts of the body. And even though the big toe and the little toe on the same foot both walk together in unity, the big toe will have more exercise of the same function. 
Even though you've got ten fingers, there are certain fingers that exercise more, that are more active and are more responsible for the function of picking up things. Let's read more of what the scriptures say. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's after Proverbs, I think. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 there is a point at time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven a time to give birth and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted and that's not just talking about planting in the ground the flowers and the food If you look at Jeremiah chapter 1 sometime later, it will tell you that God told Jeremiah that he was called to to root up, to pull up kingdoms and to plant the kingdom of God. Jeremiah was called in the office, in the administration, the duty and responsibility as a prophet of doom. Jeremiah is called a prophet of doom and the weeping prophet, because he was called for the specific purpose of declaring that Jerusalem, that Judah would be invaded and conquered by the Babylonian armies. His message was not a very gentle message, but different people have different callings, and not everybody should be a prophet of doom. But Everybody in this day and in this time associated with Isolite Ministries because God has called me to be a partial prophet of doom, a prophet of judgment, a prophet of impending, urgent, impending invasion of many nations and of a strong delusion of the Antichrist and World War III and the Day of the Lord and all these things that if... You are a part of this ministry that you share in this ministry that I share, that I have, of declaring to the world, to the people, to your family, to your neighborhood, to your coworkers, to everybody you can share with of the warning about the strong delusion. But you are a worker with Jeremiah and not Jeremiah himself. Pastor Kim in Korea, because now he is ordained as pastor, then he too walks beside me hand in hand at being Jeremiah's to this day and to this time. He must speak 
more bold than you, and I must be more bold than you, and more harshly and more quick. And there are times that you must do that as well, but not as often as the Pastor Kim and Pastor Tim. Now, continuing in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 3, there is a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Amen. There is a time for everything under the sun. All these things are necessary, but each in its own time. There is a time and a place for everything. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 11. Matthew 10, verse 11. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and stay at his house until you leave that city. This is in the context of evangelism, which is what we're talking about today. The most effective way at evangelism, soft evangelism, compared to harsh evangelism. Verse 12, as you enter the house, give it your blessing, your greeting, your kind words. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Now notice here, When you take back your blessing of peace, your kind words, it is after you have already given your kind words, your blessing, your peace to them. It's not immediately that we use harsh words, but rather at first we seek. It says, verse 11, whatever city or village you enter, inquire, meaning to seek, to find out to listen, to search, to examine the situation. Whenever you come to anybody's house, to a village, to a city, to a nation, to a person, we are to inquire, we are to examine, we are to listen, we are to search it out and see if they are worthy. Is this a person that I should not even 
give them a flyer, not even tell them to look up Ezekiel 8, not even tell them to pray and fast about this, and are going to be casting out pearls before swine, as it says here. Should we give them a second of a day? Inquire, listen, seek it out. And at first, if you have found them worthy, give them a blessing of a trap. Give them a blessing of a, of a flyer. Give them a blessing of the words of God. Give them a blessing of, I encourage you to look up the origin. I encourage you to do this, to do that. I encourage you to find out, to seek more about this. Give them a blessing of a seed of truth. Only a seed. Not the whole bag full. Not the entire website. Not every article. Not the entire details of the entire article. Not the meat, the fullness of the meat. We're not trying to compromise. We're not trying to sugarcoat the word. But what we're dealing with is babes in Christ and people that don't even have the Holy Spirit yet. So we have to choose wisely and speak wisely. And verse 13, if the house is worthy, give them that blessing of peace. And if it is not worthy, after you have already given them your peace, remove the peace. Take it back from them. That comes in time. Verse 14, whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house later on, after you have stayed there, or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Curse them. Rebuke them. Shaking the dust off your feet. I'm not talking about cursing, saying cuss words, but I'm talking about cursing as far as that you rebuke them, that you disfellowship, that you shun them. This is very, very, very biblical. Many scriptures for this. It don't mean you don't love them. When you use harsh words at the end, when you depart from them, when you have to shun them, when you have to disfellowship. It's not that you don't love them with those final harsh words, but rather you love them enough to deliver them to the devil that through the destruction of the flesh that they will be saved in the second life or in the day of the Lord. Because sometimes, and I've seen this many times, sometimes you have to disfellowship in order to get that person to think and to repent and to return to the truth. I've seen it over and over and over. That I can be kind, I can be patient, I can be long-suffering. The only when I blow up will people start to get right in their walk with God. I've seen that over and over. And I don't like to blow up. But even Jesus did blow up. He did. He overthrew those tables. He blew up. Sometimes there's a time for everything. There is a time to fight. There is. There is a time to blow up. There is a time to get angry. But it has to be at the right time and at the right place, 
and for the right reason. Verse 15, truly I say to you, that it be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for the homosexuals, it will be more tolerable for the homosexuals in the day of judgment than for that city, that house, that person who, re- who rejected your words. That's pretty amazing. Amen. It shows that there is hope for the homosexuals. It shows that there is hope that there could be another life, a time of salvation again, a time of repentance, a time of preaching, a time when people will learn more and get saved. And even different degrees of punishment at the lake of fire. I believe that some people will vanish in one second's time out of the mercy of God. And I believe that other people will burn alive for 24 hours, maybe even days, because of the judgment of God before the person finally goes to sleep and dies and is annihilated from existence. I believe that if Hitler was a human, if he was human, that he could live for a full 24 hours or two or three days. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's possible that he could live that long in the lake of fire to die in agony, but surely not live forever. We know better than that. But this scripture and other scriptures shows that there is different degrees of punishment, that some people will receive a harsher punishment, that it will be more tolerable, more forgiven, more mercy for the land of Sodom and glory in that day of judgment at the lake of fire than it will be for these people who have turned away the truth, rejected the truth of I saw the light ministries, that they laughed at you and mocked at you when you told them the truth because they wasn't laughing and mocking at you, but at the word of God. And there is a time for rebuke. There is a time for rebuke. There is a time to chastise and to shun and to disfellowship and to turn away. But we should begin our evangelism with the gentle words and over time become more bold. It says here in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of woods. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. What this says here, the word shrewd is wise. I believe King James might say wise. I'm not sure. I know some translations say wise. But be wise as serpents, meaning use wisdom. I'm sending you out in the world in the midst of woods. Amen. In the midst of Hebrew roots, Catholic, Jehovah Witness, this, that, this, that, all these woods. I'm sending you out in the midst of all that danger. Be wise. Use 
wisdom. Amen. I remember as a kid, back during the summers when school was out, I'd go back to Tennessee because we lived in different places. We'd go back to Tennessee, I would, in the summer when school was out, spend the summers with my grandmother and my grandmother and my brother, and they lived in the housing project in Tennessee. And, and the housing project there at that particular town at that particular time was very, very, very dangerous place. There were people being raped and murdered and all kinds of unmentionable things. It was a really dangerous place to be. But my grandmother and my brother taught me, walk with your head up. Do not look afraid. Walk down this street knowing who your grandmother is, that everybody in the House of Project knows her, and everybody in the House of Project knows she's carrying a gun. At all times, she is packing. <laughs> and do not look afraid. And be aware of your surroundings. And do not be afraid. I was taught these things. And it was a way of street smarts of survival. And I still use all those tactics today except for my grandmother is asleep, dead in the grave awaiting the second resurrection. But God has sent us out in dangerous places. In the midst of woods, it is a dangerous, dangerous world out there. We must be wise what side of the street to walk on. And do not, do not be afraid. And do not look afraid. And do not let your enemies know your weaknesses. Amen. We must be wise about our actions, how we walk, how we hold ourselves, how we present ourselves. We must be wise. And it says wise as serpents. And that could be translated as well, wiser than serpents. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that the snake, the serpent, the devil was wiser than all the other beasts of the field. And it means that he was more clever, more conniving, more planning, planning, and careful about how he would deceive Adam and Eve. He plotted his attack. He plotted his deception. The devil didn't just blurt out, but he had a plan ahead of time. And he very cleverly crafted his words. The Bible teaches us that the devil has not changed in that mannerism. That even to this day, that he's very, very crafty and clever about how he creeps into uh, people's lives, into the church, into deceiving people. Very, very clever. 
we, as the servants of God, should be even more wise than that. We also should be clever, but not deceptive. We should be wiser than serpents and as innocent as doves. Innocent as doves does not mean the same as what King James says. King James says harmless, but we should not be harmless. We should do harm to the devil. We should destroy the devil's works. Eventually, after there's no more police and law force, we should destroy and, 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 and burn and destroy uh, the idols of Christmas and Easter all over town. We should. At that time, there's a time and place for everything. Right now is a time to restrain, to hold back, and to obey the law. But once the day of the Lord comes and the police force are at the front lines fighting the Chinese and fighting the Russians and they don't care about a Christmas tree being burnt down, and then the law of the land will be the gun. Then the law of the land will be every man for himself. That will be the time to obey the scriptures about burning down the idols and destroying the groves as men of God in the Bible did do. But right now, it is not wise to do that and against the law to do that. But in the day of the Lord, there will be no such thing as the government of Tennessee. There'll be no such thing as the government of the United States. There'll be no such thing as the county and the city government because all those things are going to be bombed and set on fire in the day of the Lord by the Russians and Chinese. There'll be no such laws and constitution. All those things are going to burn and be cast away. There will be that time for the army of the Lord to rise up and to destroy the groves and the Christmas trees. But that time is not yet. There is a time and a season for everything under the sun. We must be wise and shrewd and innocent as doves, not harmless, but innocent, sinless, not breaking the law of God, and not breaking the law that we do live under right now. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, in their churches, even in the churches of Seventh Day. Let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6. One. 
1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I would not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God would do away with both of them. So, what Paul is saying is that it may be lawful for him to eat certain things, but it may not be profitable for him to eat certain things. It may be lawful for him to do certain things, but maybe not profitable. It may be lawful to speak very, very boldly at all times, but it might not always be profitable to speak as bold. For example, here, here we rent this ministry building, and it was an answered prayer. And I know without any shadow of a doubt that Jesus led us here to this ministry building. This ministry building. And the landlord, though, is a hardcore Baptist. And he cannot and will not ever be shaken from the traditional Assyrian Babylonian doctrines until the strong delusion comes. I know that. There's not a thing I can say, a thing I can do, a flyer I could print, nothing that I can do to lead that man to the truth and to Jesus Christ. And in the first few months that we were here, he made it a regular habit of coming by to tell me that I was wrong about everything. Try to correct me, lead me astray. He tried to lead me away from Jesus Christ and to the Baptist church instead of Jesus. Of course, he was not going to do that. I was unshakable from the truth as much as he was unshakable from the Baptist church. But I could have rebuked him. I could have used some very bold words. I could have told him, and it was tempting to tell him that he was lost and deceived. And it would have been the truth, absolutely the truth, as far as the deceived part. That he's deceived and leading other people to the lake of fire if he doesn't eventually repent from it. Could have told him every bit of that. But we would have been kicked out. We would have lost this ministry building in the first month that we rented it. First month, we could have wasted all the expenses of moving. 
We could have wasted all that time, all that energy, and all that money, all down the drain because of my mouth. It was not the right time. It was not the right place. Did I choose money and abode over the truth? Over and above God, over and above the truth? No, absolutely not. I stood in the truth. I defended the truth. But there was a right way to defend it at the right time, in the right place. And I know that after the strong delusion that I will be able to be entirely free at that time to speak more bold and, if necessary, harsh. I know that within the last 30 days that we're here that I will be able to speak very, very free to him. But right now, it would not be wise. It would not be clever. And it would not be right to speak all the truth to him because he cannot handle it. And it will not benefit him. And it will not benefit me. And it will not benefit Jesus. It will not benefit the kingdom. It won't benefit anybody in heaven or earth for me to speak bold to that man right now won't benefit anyone, anything, anyway. There is a time and a place for everything. God led us here, not for a month, but for a longer period of time. God is moving in this place, working in this place. And I'm not going to give it up in order to cuss out a man that would not be beneficial and would not result in his salvation. Amen? It may be lawful to be bold at all times, but it's not always profitable. In chapter 9, let's go over to chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. That I may win more people. Verse 20. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, like a Jew, so that I might win Jews. Paul even had Timothy to be circumcised. But yet Paul preached against circumcision over and over and over. He said, if you be circumcised, you don't have Christ. He even spoke very bold against circumcision. If there was ever a new covenant preacher, it was Paul. But Paul says here that he even became like a Jew to win the Jews. He even had Timothy to be circumcised. Even though, even though Paul 
I mean, even though Paul was against circumcision, very, very, very much against circumcision, and even though Timothy had absolutely no need to be circumcised, but to win the Jews to salvation, that the people would listen to Timothy, that people that Timothy would be given a better opportunity, a better chance to witness to other people. Paul told Timothy, you need to go get circumcised so that the people in that community where you're going to be pastor at will listen to you because they won't listen to you any other way. Just like that, I still have a King James Bible on my desk. And any time that I would ever witness to somebody who believes in King James only, I would pull out the King James only Bible and teach them from that because they will not listen to anything out of the NIV, New American Standard, Alpha and Omega Bible, anything else like that. And all, all the articles on the website are all written in King James Bible, even though I preach against King James Bible. And you know, I am very, 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 very much against King James Bible. It is the Bible of the Catholic Church. It is the Bible of Babylon, of Assyria, of the Antichrist. It is defiled. It is satanic. I use very bold speech to show you how much I'm against it. But it still has the Word of God in it. Corrupt it, twist it, but it still has the Word of God therein. And it's the only Bible that I would be able to use to lead a Baptist person to Jesus Christ. So I become as a Baptist, use the Baptist Bible. I become as a Catholic, I become as a Jew, I become as a Hebrew person in order to win them over. It doesn't mean that I compromise with the truth. It doesn't mean I sugarcoat the message. What it means is that anytime you're going to witness to anybody, you've got to find common ground. And you've got to find things that you can use as tools to witness to them. You've got to be able to meet them halfway on something. You've got to meet people halfway. So when people disagree with me, I listen. I keep my mouth shut. I listen. And I find common ground. And anything that we agree on, I make a point to say, I agree. I agree on this. I agree on that. I agree on this. I agree on that. We have a lot in common. But on this one other thing you said, I must share with you, I have to be honest with you, that the scriptures say otherwise. That we have to find common ground. And I agree that the King James Bible does have the Word of God in it. Corrupt it. Twist it, taken out of order, this and that, but 
You can learn the truth from it. You can learn the truth from it. If you seek God, if you pray, if you fast, if you study, you can learn the truth. You can learn that Jesus' name is Jesus and not Jehovah from reading the King James Bible. If you read the whole thing, every word of it, and pray and fast and seek God. Therefore, I'm not going to take that Bible and hit them over the head with it. Amen. But rather, I will use it, find common ground, use it to lead them to the truth in that same Bible that they believe in. Let's look at John chapter 6. John 6. John 6, verse 44. John 6, verse 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Again, verse 44, no one uh, can come to me unless the Father draws him. So, now we know that there are not two different spirits, two different beings, two different gods. We know better than that. But the Father and the Son, even though the Son is the Father, there are two manifestations of him, two manifestations. They look at, they look at each other, they talk to each other. The Bible is very clear on that. But God, when he put himself inside Mary, he did not put all of himself inside Mary because she would have blown up, right? So he only put just a seed of himself. Even God didn't whip Mary over the head with his presence. Even God held back on the fullness of himself, and only put a seed of himself. And that's what we must do in the world, is put only a seed of the truth, and not the whole sack at one time. We don't want to overweigh people. We don't want to blow people up. Only a seed at a time. Then we water that seed, and we fertilize that seed over time, and we will watch it grow slowly. Amen. But God put a seed of himself inside Mary, not his entire self and not a different person. He didn't put a third person or a second person inside Mary. He put a part of himself inside Mary. And that part of himself that was born as the son of mankind, the son of Mary, is a manifestation, a graven image in the flesh of God in the flesh. And the Bible says that he became flesh and he dwelt in the flesh. That he was in the beginning with God and was God. 
He wasn't two gods or three gods or two heads or three heads. And he is the same spirit today that went into Mary. But the rest of his spirit that stayed in all the universe was called what Jesus prayed to, what Jesus looked up and talked to, prayed to, and called him the Father, and he submitted to the Father. That was the measure of himself who stayed throughout the universe. Then Jesus went back to heaven from which he came, the Bible says. He went back to heaven, but he still maintains being half human and half God, half Father and half Son, and Son of God and Son of Man, until all things will be subjected under him and put under control and brought back under control and all the wicked are consumed away into smoke and be no no more. The devil consume away and be no more and the demons consume away and be no more and darkness and death and hell and everything be swallowed up in the lake of fire. Then God will be made whole again and we will only see one God and his name is Jesus, G with us. Amen. So, when he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit that stayed up in heaven, that still exists in heaven, and still draws men to himself, the one God that he draws people to Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the one that died on the cross for our sins. But they can't do that. They cannot go to Christ. They cannot come to repentance. They cannot come to the truth unless God draws them. We can preach. We can give seeds. We can water seeds. We can fertilize seeds. We can talk till we're blue in the face. And they will not understand or believe unless God says that they are called to accept that truth in this life. In this life compared to the next life. Because if everybody was to make it in the first resurrection, then we would not have a second resurrection. But there is a second resurrection. And there is a hundred years that the Bible does talk about in Isaiah 65, verse 20. So, all things must be fulfilled and God has a plan. And if you're working a vineyard, if you're working a harvest, you don't bring all of your stuff in only in the spring or only in the fall. You have... Uh, different things you're working with. You have a spring harvest and a fall harvest. You got spring flowers and fall flowers. Things you pick in the spring, things you pick in the summer, things you pick in the fall. And God is calling all men to Himself. Every person on this earth will eventually hear the truth. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone. Everybody on earth that has ever, ever, ever existed, even those that lived in the jungles of South America 
in the times of when there was no evangelists going there and there was no Bibles in their language and there was nobody from America going there even before America was even settled and they never heard the name of Jesus, when they come back to life in the second resurrection, they will be taught of God. Amen. But God is not willing for any man to perish, but for all to have everlasting life. But some will perish. As hard as it is to imagine that some will be taught of God, taught the truth, and still rejected. But we see it all the time. Amen. But sooner or later, everybody will be presented with the truth. But some will still reject it. But they cannot believe it in this life unless God has chosen them for the first harvest. So we've got to remember that. We've got to remember that. Let's go to chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verse 38. John 12, verse 38. And this is the last verse that we'll go over. As far as I know right now, this will be the last verse of the sermon today. John chapter 12, verse 38. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, quotation, Lord, or gee, who has, who has believed our report, who has believed our words, and to who has the arm of gee been revealed, unquote. For this reason, they could not believe. They could not. It was impossible, impossible. A can not believe. For Isaiah said again, quote, He, God, has blinded their eyes, not just the devil. We've got to remember this. Not everybody is blind because of the devil or out of the hardness of their own heart. Some people have been blinded by God himself. There are multiple scriptures that say this. He has blinded their eyes, and he has hardened their hearts. Remember, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, not the devil. The devil did not harden the heart of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. It was God hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes, spiritual eyes, and perceive, they would not perceive or understand with their heart and be converted and I heal them. Why? Because there's a time and season for everybody. Everybody will be made alive, but each in his own order. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. Everybody will be raised. Everybody will be made alive again, but each in his own order. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. 
3. So, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hardened the hearts and blinded the eyes of many people in that generation and in this generation so that they won't be saved. This is what it says right here. Work the heart and be converted, and I heal them. God doesn't want everybody to get saved in this life right now because it is meant for some people to rise in the second resurrection and get saved then. God planted a fall harvest and a spring harvest, a spring harvest and a fall harvest. You don't want to plant your fall harvest until it's time to plant the fall harvest. God has a plan. We're trying to plant things in the spring that should be planted in the fall. We're trying to plant things in the fall that should be planted in the spring. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ when to plant seeds, how to plant seeds. I hope that the message today will help all of us, including myself, to learn how to plant seeds profitable. Amen. We can throw seeds left and right, and we should with these flyers all over the place. But when you're talking to people face-to-face and on Facebook and on the Internet, we need to be led by the Spirit of God about who to talk to, how long to talk to them, and what to say, and how to react, and how to reply. Every time before I talk to anybody for the very first time on the phone, I always pray for the Father to help me about my reactions, about how I reply, what do I say, what will the answer to their questions be, that you, Father, help me with these things, guide me in these things, because I don't want to react out of the flesh. I don't want to react out of my pride. I don't want to react out of my opinion or my belief or my thinking or my reaction or my humanity or my carnality, but rather I want to reply and react to people and even speak to people on the first time, in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Speak in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Amen. We need to allow God and listen to His voice about what to say. Rebuke, when, and how. And there's a time for everything. But overall, it is more often true that we should start gentle and increase in boldness and strength of words as time passes. In general, most often, that is the way that we need to be planting these seeds. Amen. So I hope that everybody has been blessed and edified in some way. Uh, a lot of people will falsely accuse me of not loving 
and being a preacher of hate and hating people. People accuse me of this all the time because they don't understand that in my office, I have the duty and the responsibility to speak more bold, more often. And then in my office of not just pastor, but also prophet and, and apostle, that I have more of the right, more right and more duty to speak more bold and more harsh, more often and quicker than your average person that is not an apostle or prophet. That is just simply the truth. I do not speak these words out of pride. People do not understand that. They don't even know there's such a thing as an apostle or prophet. And also, that being led of the Spirit, that sometimes the Spirit will speak in me and move in me to quicken my soul to use the sword of the Word of God sharper, quicker, and sooner because of the person or the situation. That does not mean that I hate them, but it means that the Spirit of God is working in me or in you to be a little more sharp and more quick at certain times, but not in every situation. Let us overall, in general, be more loving and more kind after this sermon than what we were before. Amen. All this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.